Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm sure as parents, we all know how messy things can get, whether that's around the house, during mealtimes, and even when it comes to our little ones themselves. When it comes to wiping Alf's messy face and body, I want to be sure that what I am using is the best choice for his skin. With baby eczema and nappy rash being common conditions, using wipes for sensitive skin is a must. We've both been loving water wipes. We've actually used them since Alf was born and they gently clean and help protect delicate newborn and premature baby skin. They're made of just two ingredients, so 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. That means they are the best wipe choice for sensitive skin. Alf loves them and I even find myself using them. Well, good morning. I thought today I would talk about kind of sexualization and shame of not just women, but specifically of mums. Because I was looking on my friend's Instagram today. She's called Mel Wells. She is a new mum and had a pretty horrific experience of bringing her child into the world. He ended up in NICU. But anyway, he is at home. All is well. And now she's having to call out the sort of mum shaming. Um, And one of the messages I saw today... Um, kind of echoes what I experienced with Alf and so people are messaging her saying why do you feel the need to show your breasts daily and it's so interesting isn't it this sort of um, even when you're breastfeeding even when you're nourishing your child you still can't escape the hypersexualization of breasts and this is something that really used to upset me when I was breastfeeding because number one I felt like I was like a bit of a prisoner to Alf because he never took a bottle. So for an entire year, I felt like lots of other mums were, and they probably weren't, by the way, this was my own perception. Like lots of other mums were kind of like getting back to normal, being able to go out with friends. And I couldn't leave Alf because I fed on demand and he wouldn't take a bottle. And I found a lot of the time that I was on social media, whether it was doing stories or even if I was working with a brand and I had to do a shoot, I'd have to spend time breastfeeding. So I'd be like, well, we don't have time to wait for me to finish breastfeeding, so let's just crack on. And it did kind of get this sort of barrage of why are your boobs always out or God, you're attention seeking. And I remember thinking like, if you knew what my nipples look like, you would realise that there is nothing sexual or attention seeking about this. So I'm really excited about today's guest because 
Not only will I know that you know who she is, she is a mum to a son. She joined um, the cast of Hollyoaks when she was just 14 years old, so a literal child, and she grew up with Hollyoaks. And, I mean, she's so empowering, for not only for people who are older, she's in her 40s, what do they say, fabulous at 40. Um, she's literally an embodiment of empowerment as you get older. She also found herself earlier this year in a huge media storm as she got fired by Hollyoaks for joining with OnlyFans. So I'm not going to give any more introduction because I feel like we just need to get straight into it. But it is Sarah Jane Dunn. Hi. I've honestly been dying to speak to you on the podcast yeah, ever since. For having me. The total media storm. When was it now? The beginning of the year? I feel like... The no, month- it was a year ago. We're like nearly a year to the day of me launching on OnlyFans. So yeah, nearly a year ago now. So for those of you who aren't aware, actually, I'm going to let you tell it in your own words. So you started Hollyoaks when you were 14. And correct. what did you do between then and obviously them publicly firing you last year? Um, so I started when I was 14. I was there for 10 years, solid. And then I left of my own accord and I went off and I did other TV, I did lots of theatre, I did a bit of film, and then I did other jobs in between. So I did some work in beauty, I trained as a personal trainer, I did pre-postnatal training, and then I ended up um, finding my way back to Hollyoaks uh, about six years ago, seven years ago now, and was there solidly, yeah, until last year. So obviously we had the pandemic, we had lockdown. I found that really difficult. I know some people enjoyed it for me personally. I found having my freedom taken away and control taken away really, really difficult and obviously not really knowing what was going on with work. And so that was what sort of triggered me to try and find something that I could do that would be creative, that I would be in control of, that was on my terms and that I could monetize. Long story short, I looked around, I looked at different ways of sort of moving my content from Instagram onto another platform and I kept coming back to OnlyFans and I decided to set up an OnlyFans account to do exactly the same as what I was doing on Instagram so any sort of like bikini lingerie shots anything a little bit more sexy to move onto that platform and I did that I'd had talks with Hollyoaks I'd had Zoom calls they knew that that was going to be happening and then I launched and a week after I launched I got called in for a meeting and um within four or five days they fired me and then went to the press (laughs) publicly and told the press without even coming to me first to say look we're gonna we're gonna out you and then it was a crazy old media storm that I've never I've never had that in my life in the whole like 26 years I've been in the industry I've never experienced anything like that and so I really felt like I was sort of in fight or flight for a good few months and then having to deal with everyone's opinions on what I'd decided to do for me and my family um but yeah it's the best decision I ever made to be honest so do you know what it's really interesting because I'd love to know what people's opinions are now when we say only fans and if that changes at all by the end of the podcast because I'll be honest when I heard not necessarily you but lots of people joining only fans I was a bit like oh only fans because you know it as a sort of um I guess like an ethical porn social network but interestingly lots of mums and increasingly so during the pandemic started joining OnlyFans and I think there's lots of things to discuss and dissect because there's not only the sort of um, overall sexism or 
internalized misogyny that we have as a society where obviously, you know, men can go to strip clubs and watch porn and do all of those things, but it's the women who actually do it and who are living for it who are shamed. Yeah. But also, I guess the sort of idea that when you're a mum, you should behave differently. But what I find interesting in your case is that I mean, I grew up watching Hollyoaks. I mean, I feel like anyone of our generation, Hollyoaks was like the sexy thing to watch. Mm-hmm. And like, so you started as a teenager, an underage teenager. How do you see it? Because I remember there were like sexy calendars and FHM shoots and you were kind of, I wouldn't say glamour models, but it was all in that sort of same sort of bracket in the same way it was when I started Made in Chelsea. You know, there were FHM shoots and I don't think there was a calendar. And if there was, I wasn't important enough to be in it. But (laughs) what do you think is the difference for Hollyoaks to kind of make this stand? Because what's interesting to me is their, their statement in which they announced they were firing you it was because they said they were a youth-led channel um, and they don't agree with sexualized content, but they were, they were the sexualized content of our generation. Well, I mean, the reason that I have done these shoots all my life since probably age 17, 18, is because of that show. Like, that's how I got into doing the lads mags and the calendars. And that was never an optional thing that was sort of a contractual right you're part of the show so this is part of what you do and anyone any of the girls that ever did go actually I don't really feel comfortable doing this or that's not what I got into the industry for you know that sort of had a an effect on them moving forward if you were to say no so it did sort of feel like right okay we'll have to be part of this and I always enjoyed those shoots so I've always said you know I never felt forced to do anything I very much enjoyed them but you did see it sort of feel played off against each other as girls because you know, whoever got on the front of the calendar, you'd then go, well, well, why didn't I get on the front of the calendar this year? And why wasn't I chosen to be on the front of FHM? And why haven't I done that that shoot? And so, yeah, I, it, during my really sort of formative years, I'd say between the ages of, of 14 and 20, I was exposed then to that, to those shoots. So for then, for me to then actually go, well, this is, it's my image at the end of the day, and it's my body, and I want to decide what I do with it. And how it's portrayed. Because the other thing about all those shoots in the noughties is that all the images were so heavily edited. And I look back at them. I'm going to actually dig them out from the garage because I've kept them all somewhere. And I look back at them and I go, that was never me anyway. That's never, I'm like, my figure never looked like that, you know. And I can I can look at those images and go, well, that has been altered. And I had no say in that. Before I even saw the image, it had gone to print and then, you know, by that point, it's too late. And even if we'd have said anything anyway, it wouldn't have changed things. So I think that's why there was such a sort of uproar when this happened to me, because it was so hypocritical. And I think their argument was that, that they don't do that sort of stuff anymore. Well, that's a load of rubbish, because only four years before I launched the OnlyFans, when I went back to the show, I was, you know, I posted an image on my Instagram comparing one shot that I'd done for OnlyFans to a shot that I'd done for one of the tabloids. And it's an identical shot. Their issue or what they said to me was that it was an an over 18s platform and that they can't be associated with that. And then obviously my argument was that, well, but what I'm doing on that platform is not over 18. So, you know, if you go on the likes of Twitter, it's, it's full of porn and children from the age 13 can be up there, but the show is still part of that platform. 
So what is the kind of content you put up on OnlyFans? Because I think, I guess this is the thing that probably lots of people will think when they think OnlyFans, they think kind of sex work, porn. And by the way, I do think there is an argument to be had that at least it is ethical because you know that whatever content people are choosing to put up, um, however X-rated or not, it, they are getting the money for it so I think yeah. for sex workers it's been amazing hasn't it and it, again it's like Absolutely. touching back to this thing of why do we shame the sex workers and not the people who buy into sex workers yeah 100% but what kind of content are you putting up there is it x-rated content no not at all and so that I think like you said before my first perception or what I thought about OnlyFans was exactly the same as you and I think everyone else and I think that's where this sort of like oh my gosh I can't believe she's done this has come from because I thought well it's porn so someone mentioned OnlyFans and I went no 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 I'm not that's not <laughs> you've got this wrong that's not where what I'm doing that's not what I was sort of thinking um, but then when you go on the platform and when I learn more about the platform and how it works, there's everything on there from, you know, there is explicit content on there. That is why there is an over, an over 18s um, age policy on there because of that content to protect people. But there's everything else on there. There's, there's anything you can imagine on there. And it's a content creator's dream for that reason. So my content itself, and, and I would say, I always compare it to the likes of those naughty magazines. It is in the naughties, not naughty. Um, so like you do, yeah, F-H-M, you know, Maxim. Yeah, exactly. So all of those shots, like I shot a calendar recently and I went to Marbella and I did, you know, the sort of classic kneeling in the sand, in the sea with no top on, but hand over boobs. Exactly what I have been do- doing since I was sort of like 18. It's more than I would have done on Instagram in terms of I wouldn't have put an image like that on Instagram, but it's no more than I've ever done before when I've not had control, when I've not been making money from it, when I've not had a say on, you know, where that image is going, which photographer I'm working with. So it's much more, for me, it feels like a much safer platform and space. And, and like, you know, people go, oh, it's all, all about the money. I've never said it's not about the money. Of course, the, the, you know, the reason I was looking for something else to do alongside the show was as for in financial safety, as well as for something that I can be in control of. Of course, that's where it comes from. And again, why are we shamed for wanting to earn money and to, you know, be in control of our own lives? I think this is like the the sticky point for for people, isn't it? Because you have people like... Piers Morgan or whoever it is constantly criticizing somebody like Emily Ratajowski I can never say her surname so I, I hope you said it right <laughs> yeah. um, because they are saying oh she's attention seeking and she moans about being sexualized but all her content sexual but then it's like but we do live in that world and she her book is actually incredible where she talks about like her experiences of harassment and also the impact of being overly sexualized over such a long period of time from such a young age and the the impact that had on her but it's like why is it when we almost take back the reins or decide to earn money from it that then we're hypocrites or it you know why can't people see it as empowering yeah I mean I've read her book as well and I thought it was incredible and this is the I think this is the whole problem isn't it and this is where for me the audience was really split and I was very grateful that I'd say probably like 80%, 90% of people were on my side and sort of could see the hypocrisy in it. And a lot of people were like, you know, exactly what we were just saying, like, why not 
Like why? If it's my body and it's my choice and I am not being forced. And again, that's, I think, a great thing with OnlyFans is that you have to be the one putting content up there. No one else can, you know, go, right, I'm going to take some images of you and then I'm going to make some money off of those. Why is that a problem? people and I, I genuinely don't understand and this is a, this is one of the reasons why I've really stood my ground with it and why I stood my ground with it with Hollyoaks to be honest with you because I just I think I got to an age and I I turned 40 last year so it all sort of coincided with when this all happened and I just got so sick of other people and I felt like I was being taken advantage of and I think looking back now and really dissecting things over the years and I've, you know, been speaking to a counselor pre all of this, but actually I was speaking to a counselor when this happened. So it really helped me sort of break it down. And I think it comes down to that loss of control and that feeling taken advantage of, almost not respected or not appreciated. So I, I don't understand. I mean, I can't really answer the question for you because I don't understand why people would then have a problem with me making those choices for myself if I'm not hurting anyone. Especially when you said you were 17 and you were kind of contractually obligated to do the FHMs and the nuts and the school, you know, the school girl yeah. sort of calendars. And it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I'd be interested to know if, number one, who your critics are and number two, if the fact that, your age and the fact you're a mother plays into that criticism because do you remember there was a cover of Britney Spears I think it might have been on NME and it was this really sexy cover shoot and she's in a school uniform in a children's bedroom but it was talking about how sexy she is and now that she's going through her own kind of unique freedom of empowerment obviously being released from the conservatorship conservatorship and um, I see the criticism of her that she's like old so she should know better that she's a mum and she's embarrassing her children and what would her children think so have you found that your critics do reference your age or the fact that you're a mum and interestingly who are the critics are they men or are they women I uh, the one of the things that my book bears the thing that irritates me the most and the comment that I've had not frequently, but the one that I've had on repeat most is that you should be ashamed of yourself you're a mother. And it's come from women. So every time I've had that comment, it's come from a woman. That really, that's the one that I think doesn't upset me, but it's the one that, that really niggles me the most because I think, well, I've had to do this all my life. It's not been a choice. Now it's a choice. Why, why suddenly when you're a mother, do you, I feel like you get put in a box and it's like, well, you, you can't be sexy anymore. You, how dare you show yourself, you know, how dare you show some flesh how dare you not think about your child? Well, of course I'm thinking about my child, you know. And actually what's happened in the last year has given us more financial freedom and I've spent more time with my son than I have done, the, you know, in these whole six years of his, his little life. I've been able to take him to school. I've been able to pick him up from school. You know, we've gone on holidays that we wouldn't have been able to go on. Mummy's around a lot more than I was when I was working uh, 12, 13-hour, 14-hour shifts filming. So why... Again, why is that a bad thing? Why would someone look at that and go, well, you're not thinking about your child? And like people always sort of go, what about when he's older? And, and my answer to that is my son, when he's of an age, can, you know, could Google mummy's name. And images, again, will come up of me from me being 17 to 40. Now, all the images I've done on OnlyFans are protected. They're copyrighted. I'm not fussy to see them anyway, because like I say, they're no different to what I've done before. 
he's going to see pictures of mommy in a bikini or underwear anyway. And actually, I don't want him to look at women and go, oh, well, she shouldn't be, you know, flaunting herself. Or I want him to see a confident woman um, that made choices for him and for for them. And I think he will, you know, and obviously I will always protect him. But that's, yeah, the, the thing, the mum thing is the thing that bugs me the most. Like I was kind of saying at the very beginning how Mel Wells is currently being shamed for breastfeeding and for having, I'm putting this in quotation marks, having her boobs out. Like how else <laughs> are you meant to feed a child, obviously, if you're breastfeeding? Of course. But do you know what I, like there was a real kind of like, aha moment in my own journey when I was breastfeeding because I was getting these kind of troll comments a lot of how I was attention seeking and why was my boobs always out as if like I thought oh do you know what I could get male attention at the same time as feeding my child what a win like it's sick their thought process is sick funny enough TikTok banned me from TikTok for child pornography because there was a video of me breastfeeding um, now, how on earth that they can essentially sexualize a breastfeeding mother? Yeah. But this is the thing. I feel like women's bodies, even when they are mothers, and especially when they are mothers, even if you are doing something as pure as feeding your child, your child through yeah. your boobs, it feels like motherhood is another way to weaponize women's sexuality against them. And do you know what? I'm going to put my hands up and I bet loads of you listening will probably put your hands up as well that I used to do this. Like I remember, I think because I'd always heard it in the media, but I remember being like, they're a mother, like they should know better. I can't believe they'd be wearing that because they're a mother. But it's like, why aren't we allowed to continue to be ourselves just because we are, are a mother? And there is also an irony in the fact that you become a mother through sex. So you are oh, sexual, yeah. <laughs> but then you, it's like this like Madonna whore complex, isn't it? That you can't yeah. be sexual and maternal at the same time because it like people's minds go into overdrive because they're like, oh, but I can't, I can't respect okay. you and I can't, and fancy you at the same time. Like you're one or the other, you're a whore or like, <laughs> like morality, yeah. but nobody ever questions what a man would wear. Like I don't think there's ever a man who's walked down the street topless on a hot day that's had someone being like, oh, you're a father now. You should yeah, know put better. Yeah, clothes on. Yeah, And I, every time Tommy takes his top off, like in the park or whatever, I'm always like, oh, you're asking for it. And it's like a joke <laughs> between us. Because obviously if I took my top off in the park or even if I was breastfeeding in the park, I would get called an attention seeker or, you know, have people tut at me. And I'm like, I have a purpose for my boobs to be out. And yes, you can cover up, but also maybe my child doesn't want to feed with a muslin on his head and he shouldn't have to. And He shouldn't have to, exactly. Why should you be fed, like made to feel ashamed for that? And this is what I realised and I wonder, like you are obviously in this kind of weird public eye with all the sexualization and, and objectification. But what I realised with my breastfeeding journey was that actually the comments were the same as when I was a 15-year-old girl with big boobs. It's always... Your body is something that you should be ashamed of. Put it away. Stop attracting attention. But why is it never considered that maybe we don't want the attention? Like maybe we don't want, maybe we're not doing it for men. Like what? nobody ever says to a, a dad or a man, attention seeker, because it's presumed that not everything they do is to get for women's that. attention. So why is it? And also, even if you do want, let's say there are circumstances where, you feel good or you want attention, whoever it's from, why is that also used against us? Like, you know, the 
the thing that people always say about women is, oh, she's so full of herself. And it's like, but isn't that what we all strive to be? Like, don't we all want to be full of ourselves? Don't we all want to feel beautiful and confident? And I feel like we spend most of our lives trying to learn how to be full of ourselves. So why is it weaponized against us? Yeah, I did a post about that because somebody had dropped a comment, I think on my TikTok, one of my TikToks and I've done some like silly dance and it was a bit rubbish, but I loved like, I loved the dance. I loved what I was wearing and I do these things. And that's sort of, again, where this whole journey for me has stemmed from. I was doing shoots anyway. I think I got to a certain age and I wanted to do shoots for myself. So I was doing a load of shoots with different photographers, people that I'd wanted to work with. And the image was a sort of for me because I thought, you know what? I've got to an age. I've looked after myself. I work hard. I eat well. I train well. Like, I feel good. Why shouldn't I be proud of that? And why shouldn't I own that? And why shouldn't I be able to document that? Even if no one else sees it. For me, you know, in 20, 30, 40 years time, hopefully, I can look back and go, go on me. And I wish that 20-year-old me had that mindset. I wish that I could look back at those pictures and go, oh, she was confident and she knew what she wanted and she, you know, she set boundaries and she was happy. And, and I don't I look back at those pictures and I, I know what I was going through at those times and no one else obviously does. So those images have always been for me and they make me feel good. And the, the thing that I used to like about putting those images on social media was that a lot of women more than men, and I still have more female followers than male followers, would go, I love that you're doing this. and I love that you're confident and comfortable. And like you say, we work so hard to feel good in our own skin, to be more confident, to be more comfortable. I do want to love myself more. And why is that detrimental? Like, yeah, I do love myself. And if I don't love myself, then this is the whole cycle, isn't it? If I don't love myself, then I can't like give my best to my partner, my family, my children, whatever, my job, my passion, my hobby, hobbies. I think that's a comment that really needs or a, a criticism that needs to be flipped on its head because you, we want to love ourselves. And then go into the, um, you know, the way that, that women are sort of go at each other for breastfeeding or for looking a certain way I think a lot of that stems down like boils down to sort of conditioning doesn't it and the media and you know you you might see and I've had this done to me and I've reposted a headline and completely blanked out most of the headline because it'll be like Sarah you know shows off midriff in tight fitting dress or something ridiculous whilst out with husband John and I'll just like go Sarah out with husband John because why is that all that stuff in the middle it's not no comment on him there's no comment on you know where we are or anything like that it's all about appearance and so I think we're so conditioned we read those things and we'll see the, the sort of keywords and then we internalize it as well don't we and also we'll see completely like let's say it is Sarah flaunts her mine is usually flaunts her generous yes. cleavage and it's like so then that makes you think like what's like why is she flaunting her cleavage and then it's like hang on a minute her cleavage isn't even showing she's literally just got boobs that exist on her body and the thing that annoys me that they do it's if you've had a child especially within a year let's say they will always say they flaunt their postnatal figure six weeks or six months after giving birth. And a really bad one I saw was um, Katy Perry. So bear in mind her and Orlando Bloom were on a beach, naturally as you would be on a beach in swimwear. 
There was no comment about the fact that Orlando Bloom was flaunting his physique. He was just in speedos, which arguably a bit more revealing than a bikini, but that's regardless of the point. So he was just allowed to exist on the beach. Katy Perry was flaunting or showcasing or whatever it was, her postnatal figure. And then they had the audacity to say what her prenatal body measurements were <gasps> saying it looks like she's close to getting back to those measurements oh, and I, I was like that. this is just so rank but you're right it conditions us a to think that women are flaunting themselves Looking it's like this ob- object yeah objectifying yeah. themselves and I remember they used to do it to me and I'd be like bloody hell I don't even like myself and I am myself because they would like they put like the most like revealing picture they could find of me. Usually it was from like a lingerie shoot that I'd done for work when I was a lingerie model. And it'd be like Ashley bemoans having big boobs or Ashley bemoans her boobs being sexualized. But then they'd put it next to a picture of like a quite provocative picture of me in lingerie. So I know what people would be like, well, if she doesn't, if she doesn't want people to comment on her boobs, then she shouldn't then come out. Then why is she doing that? And yeah, it exactly. is that, but whereas like men aren't conditioned to think that way. And why is it that we are fascinated with sexualizing girls in school uniforms, 17 year old girls on Hollyoaks, but then when somebody does it in their 40s or 30s or whatever it is, which by the way, I think is really inspiring because it allow. I wish I'd seen when I was younger that actually, you know, I mean, look at, whether it's J-Lo or Helen Mirren or whoever it is, like there are so many incredible women and it's not just down to how they look, but it shows that, you know, we are not, we are not past it or, you know. We don't have a shelf life. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly that. So I think it's amazing for people to see somebody in their body owning and feeling empowered and confident. I'm sure as parents, we all know how messy things can get, whether that's around the house, during mealtimes, and even when it comes to our little ones themselves. When it comes to wiping Alf's messy face and body, I want to be sure that what I am using is the best choice for his skin. With baby eczema and nappy rash being common conditions, using wipes for sensitive skin is a must. We've both been loving water wipes. We've actually used them since Alf was born and they gently clean and help protect delicate newborn and premature baby's skin. They're made of just two ingredients, so 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. That means they are the best wipe choice for sensitive skin. Alf loves them and I even find myself using them. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One thing is interesting, though, that you said earlier is that people would say to you, I think you said this, something about like, what will your son think when he's older or something? And do you know what's interesting? Because the, the people that came at me about breastfeeding were like, he's going to get to school and be bullied because when he's a teenager, his mates are going to see pictures of you with your boobs out, uh, him breastfeeding. And I was like, I really would like to think that by the time we get to the age where he is a teenager, they won't have been brought up and conditioned that it's creepy or weird or sexual that their mum breastfed them. But also I would like to think that I will raise Alf to not objectify women and to see them as more than body parts. And probably the type of people who troll us saying that are the ones that are going to pass down all of this rubbish to their children. It's a constant battle, isn't it? And I think there's women like you and other amazing women out there that we're really sort of trying to break the mold and have these conversations and normalize things that that shouldn't be, um, you know, made, like you say, made to be weird, like feeding your your child. Why is that being made to be weird? But yeah, I think there are some amazing role models out there. And like you're saying, for me as well, I think people like Helen Mirren, Emma Thompson, J-Lo Kylie, like all of these women that I probably as a 20-year-old have gone, oh my God, like they're over 50 or whatever, like that's dead old. We need women like that to show that there is, there is life and you can still look amazing and you can still rock it and you can sort of, you know, be like, this is, this is me and this is, I'm amazing and this is what I do. And I think for me, especially being an actor, you are conditioned to sort of go, once you're late 20s, that sort of it, like there's, there's not work for you. So that goes back to that, you know, the film and, and being in the industry. So I've always sort of gone, you, I got to 20 and I actually panicked more about turning 30 than I did about turning 40 because I think I suddenly was like, oh my God, what happens now? Like, I'm never going to work again and, and people aren't going to want to employ me. And, and I've, I've not done everything that I want to do yet, but I'm, I'm suddenly like 30 and I'm old. And actually my 30s, I hated my 30s. I think up until meeting my husband and having my little boy, I really didn't enjoy like the first sort of half of them. Now, like hitting 40 for me so far, it's just been the best ever. And I, and I think we really need to sort of show that there is more. I have to say, I love, I love my 30s now, but I loved the beginning part of my 30s. I was single and I'd kind of managed to get rid of this sort of societal pressure that I should have had a partner or children and I, I remember I used to feel sorry for people who did have children or a partner because I was like living this like totally free and amazing life. And yeah, I was like, 
God, there's so much more. Like we are not defined by our relationship status, but again, conditioning in society, like, you know, and it's not just in the UK, like the term spinster was used in the UK, I think from the age of 23, but then in France you had the Catherinettes and basically our value. And this is also the difference why men are allowed to be silver foxes and be heartthrobs like George Clooney. And women were seen as left on the shelf because it all came down to fertility, which number one, I mean, we're more than just a womb and obviously you can be complete if you decide not to have children. But this is what we're dealing with, that it's acceptable when you are 17 in Hollyoaks to be in FHM or nuts and be in a calendar and you, I presume, didn't get any extra money from your Hollyoaks contract for those. Did you get, actually, that's a good question. Did you get more money if you did a calendar? Uh, no. So we, <laughs> so I think the most I ever got offered for a calendar was £126. And it was a phone call saying, right, this is your sort of cut of the calendar this year. Um, would you like to give it to charity or would you like a check? And every time I was like, Can you, like I want the check. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, love how, check. I love how they were like, they did the guilt trip of like, charity. Uh, well, I do all my own other bits and pieces for charity. So I was like, I want the money for that. But I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? I think we, we outsold Kylie Minogue's calendar one year. And I think that was the year that I got offered like that. And that was the most. I mean, we get, we get taken away. Like we went abroad a few times for it. But I then, one of, one of the girls then left and did her own calendar one year. And I remember finding out how much she'd been paid for it and literally being like, <laughs> what? And I think that was the key moment for me where I was like, hang on a minute. And they would have been getting that money. But it's true, like when you're new to the industry, £120 is a lot of money because you don't know how much people are making off the back of you. Well, we weren't aware of that and that's the thing. And you're also very scared because you don't want to lose your job. I mean, ultimately that ended up happening to me anyway. Um, But you're scared because we're always meant to feel, made to feel, and you'll be the same in in your industry, that you're – there's loads more of you and you know if you can't do it then there's always someone else that will want that job or want that position again I think as women that even more so yeah I think that's a women thing in lots of industries isn't it which is why so many mums are scared to ask for flexible hours or whatever it might be that they need and it's this thing that we put this pressure and expectation on women to raise children like they don't have a job and we shame people for choices of you know if they go back to work then they shouldn't be at work they should be at home but then if they stay at home they're just stay at home mums and that that you literally cannot win you can't win I think Mm -hmm. this is actually like being a really big lesson for me as well that we do get shame for any of our choices and I really noticed it in that beginning of motherhood as well like whether you sleep train or not whether you breastfeed or not and I think you know there is shame and in both sides and there really shouldn't be like we need to start kind of recognizing how society pits us against each other whether that's you know weaponizing our sexuality against us or even in those kind of early days of motherhood but also knowing that people are going to judge anyway so we may as well do what we want yeah absolutely you literally can't win I think whatever choices you make they have to be right for you and that's something that I'm I've been sort of really working on the last couple of years or even not as long as that Um, because I think I've always been a people pleaser and I've always sort of again going back to sort of being scared of either losing my job or upsetting people or not saying the right thing or I think also working for a company for so long I was sort of in a position where you ultimately end up being a little bit filtered because you're scared to have your own opinion because you're scared to say the wrong thing or think the wrong thing or represent 
a show or a company the wrong way or not how they've asked you to or you know for me the last year has sort of been very freeing in that i've been able to go actually well i'm still learning what what is it that i feel what is it that i think and actually i have different opinions about things or to be able to go no that doesn't feel right for me or i don't want to do that or you know, like you say you just have to make your own choices and do what's right for you because you will always be criticized and there will always be judgment have you thought much so stanley's six now have you thought much about like raising a son and how you're going to kind of have these conversations with him to try and sort of combat misogyny you might not have by the way because obviously we've got a long time i'm in the same boat i've got obviously alf but is it something that crosses your mind of like, wow, there's going to be a day where he does see my pictures or, you know, what he, he knows I'm on, I was on OnlyFans. And do you think about those things or, or do you think, well, I'm not going to be doing it by the time he's that age or? Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, I, I don't plan to be doing it when he's like a little bit older, you know, by the time he's at a, an age where he'll be going to high school, which is, I think, far more challenging for children and children are far crueler to each other um, than primary school this will be something that will be, you know, a, a distant memory for, for me and him and us. And but saying that, I sort of don't want to pigeonhole myself and go, actually, I'm, I'm going to stop it, you know, for him. And because of what, again, because of what other people think. So I've had, like, Stanley knows what mummy does. And he, he's, he's got to an age now where he recognizes that, you know, other kids have said to him, oh, your mummy's famous or your mummy's on telly. And so he knows that I've do telly things. He knows that I do radio things. I'll say, mommy's going doing a photo shoot. Mommy's got this today. And he just takes it all in his stride. He doesn't sort of question it. And and my husband was an actor as well. We met on a theatre job. It's not what he does now. But he's great and super supportive. And my parents have always been supportive and, you know, have always been there for me. And I'm very lucky in that I've got very sort of grounded people around me. I think as and when we reach any sort of bumps or hurdles with him or you know, we need to explain things and that's when I will sit down and, you know, have conversations with him. And, and I want to bring him up to be, you know, like I said, an, an open-minded, respectful man that doesn't sexualize women in that way and that allows people to have their own choices. And I will, you know, I'm happy for him to make whatever life choices he wants to himself. It's it's hard because, you know, as you, you've got some, like you say, each year gets the new challenges get thrown up and not even every each week. Um, so it's a journey that we're sort of navigating as we go through it. But Do you know what? It's such a funny conversation as well, isn't it? Because it's something that we are sort of probably crosses our mind a lot and also is put on us a lot, you know, whenever there is any sort of um, like big horrific event where a man has murdered a woman or whatever it might be. It's like, raise your sons better, raise your sons, raise your sons. And then obviously whether it's from breastfeeding or doing lingerie pictures, there's this sort of like background noise of like, well, what is your son going to think when he's older? But I wonder if I'm trying to think of like really famous, like let's say Mark Wahlberg, who did the Calvin Klein advert in a very, very tight pants. Like yeah. you can pretty much see the shape of the penis <laughs> in those pants. And they were like big on buses. Yeah. I don't think there would be anyone saying to him, have you thought about how you're going to explain this to your child? Like, you know, how, how are you going to explain to him? That's because your, we, yeah. ma a man can walk down the street topless or be Mark Wahlberg in his 
very sexy Calvins Mm -hmm. and we still don't objectify them. We still see them as more than a body. You know, hopefully by the time our boys are older as well, that the the dialogue will have changed more and the script will have flipped or, you know, it won't be, we won't be having these conversations is the dream, isn't it? Rewind six years. How did you feel as a new mum? Because I would say, even though, having another one I'm still sort of in that new mum phase that I'm just feeling like I'm starting to find myself again in terms of feel like myself in my body feel like myself in my mind and also kind of get that sort of independence back a bit where you can recognize yourself and probably like a new and improved version of yourself of how you were before but you see yourself again whereas definitely for me in that first year I was like I'm not sleeping, my boobs are leaking, my nipples are ginormous, I feel disgusting. And obviously I'm about to go through it all again, but what was your experience like becoming a new mom? And especially as an actor. We weren't planning on having children. And so Stanley was a bit of a surprise. Um, And so it sort of all happened quite quickly in that I, you know, we found out we were pregnant and we decided we were going to continue and, and have the baby and, and then I really enjoyed pregnancy. I think I was classed as a, an older mum because I was 34, which I found, I still find crazy. But because of that, I got a lot more attention in terms of checks and scans and things. So actually, I found that quite reassuring. It was all a bit of a shock, I think. And I've, I've spoke about this on an, another podcast, but it was sort of, I, I feel like I wasn't given enough information about what could happen and then this sort of aftermath of that and then you know one being a new mom two navigating breastfeeding three navigating all the crazy hormones that are flying around your body and you know dealing and keeping a a little human alive what that does to your body what that does to your relationship what that does to your mind the sleep deprivation I really struggled with and it took me I'd say about a, a year to 18 months before I really went okay I'm starting to sort of feel a little bit like me again like like I'm starting I was always very confident I would go out with the baby and you know, I'd, I'd done my pre-postnatal training so in per, as a personal trainer, so I knew exactly what to do with my body in a slow way to sort of, first of all, you know, repair my core and pelvic floor. And it, I never rushed. I hate, because I hate one of my big bugbear again, bears is that women are sort of, we're all conditioned to go, right, she snapped back, like, Six weeks after having a baby, she's back in her skinny jeans and she looks incredible. And I was really against that and still am. And so I really enjoyed sort of documenting my postnatal journey with the baby. And and at the time I wasn't on Hollyoaks, I wasn't on any show. I wasn't actually actively acting. I was doing some beauty stuff at the time. So it was quite nice to sort of be out of the public eye a little bit with it. But um, yeah, it definitely took me a good 18 months before I started to find myself again. And, and then even then, I think as a mum, it's, and again, we're made to feel like this. It's a constant sort of, right, you are given this label as mum, but you're still you and you have to find you in there somewhere for your own sanity, I think. Yeah, do you know what? It's I find this whole like snapback culture really interesting because I've got friends who did lose loads of weight whether that was through illness or genetics or whatever it was and they felt like ashamed or that they were bad role models and again it's like 
we're still punishing women for their bodies, whether you don't look a certain way or whether you do look like a certain way. And for me personally, it would have been so much more beneficial if I knew that postnatal recovery was more than just if you snap back or not. Because that's really what I thought it was. You get to six weeks, you get your sign off from the doctor and then you're back to exercise or you choose whether you lose weight or don't lose weight. I was always like, I'm just happy to be healthy and take it slow. But I also couldn't, didn't realize that it would take me another like 18 months before I felt like physically well enough to do anything. Like, yeah, this whole narrative that women essentially it's like the objectification of our bodies, isn't it? So even in a time where I feel like we should be like carried around being fed grapes. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they, our bodies have just done this amazing thing where like it's creating life thing. for society. I mean, yeah. I saw this mental uh, headline the other day about bonk for Britain and a, and a Tory MP is like calling for, I don't know, tax cuts for women if we have children because they need a baby boom because there's not enough people in the population. And it's like, we don't live in The Handmaid's Tale. Why don't you give tax cuts to the dads as well? Yeah, exactly. And also like you're totally overlooking the fact that lots of women, 54,000 women a year, leave their jobs because they can't afford childcare. So tax cuts do diddly squat but also bonk for Britain. It's like, st start like, stop objectifying us, make it more affordable and give us reasons why we would want to go into motherhood that aren't mm -hmm. just for a tax cut. Anyway, yeah. I do think like everything that you're doing, like I said, I was really hypercritical of OnlyFans. And even when I first heard about it, I had all these like inner kind of misogyny, like, what, you know, oh, why should why she doing that? Da, da, da. And then I had to like take myself back and then be like, good for you, you're right. Like, if you put it up on Instagram, it goes all over the tadpoles. And we all, we everyone in our industry, like whether it's under the kind of body confidence bracket or whether you're made to do it for a brand or a magazine or whatever it is, you're essentially taking back control. And arguably, from what you said, if you have to be over 18 to consume that content, it's actually probably a safer environment because on Instagram, people of any age can get onto Instagram and look up exactly. the content. So exactly. um, it is really interesting. I'd love to know anyone listening, if it's like made you kind of question your own inner misogyny of how you see older people or how you see mums, or did you have preconceptions about how people should behave as a mom and then suddenly you were a mom and then you were like, oh shit, I still want to be sexy. That's a, that's a really unfair thing to say. Yeah, before, before we go, I do have an email from Helen and she says, hey Ashley, I've never written into a podcast before and who knows if you ever will see this. Firstly, thank you for writing in and yes, I do see this. I just want to tell you, I've listened to your announcement and it made me cry happy tears. I'm 15 weeks pregnant with my second. I had a miscarriage just before, had a traumatic birth with my little boy who's nearly two now and I struggled with PTSD and PND for a while after. I found what you shared about making the decision on one or two really helpful and what you just shared about looking at your life in five to 10 years is just so affirming. I felt, God, I'm so out of breath because I, I've got to that stage in pregnancy um, where like you feel like your diaphragm is squashed. Yeah. Felt so mixed about being pregnant again. I've got so much fear and it's blocking out some of the excitement. But weirdly, listening to your episode has just helped me to actually allow myself to feel some positive vibes 
rather than just negative. I'm not sure I can explain the huge positive impact of people like you sharing the realities of motherhood and mental health. Such a cliche, but really helped me to feel less alone. I feel a bit silly sending this, but I just felt compelled to share. By the way, please never feel silly for sharing this because sometimes I'm just talking into the abyss. So it's nice to know that it has a positive <laughs> impact. She said, thank you, congratulations. And I look forward to seeing your journey along my own. Helen, P.S. I think doing less pooey nappies because of ultra strong pregnancy nose was the only positive I got out of the symptoms from the first trimester, every cloud. By the way, I couldn't agree more. What would you say to Helen, by the way, who's obviously going through the motions of like fearing what's to come? You're obviously a bit further ahead than me and than us. So do you have like words of advice for new mums who are kind of still not feeling quite themselves? It, it goes so quickly, I think is the thing that, and it, it, I, you know, we've, we've only got one little boy and I don't think we'll have any more children. And so for me, like, I sort of would like to rewind a little bit and embrace moments more because it does go so quickly and everyone says that to you it's sort of a cliche thing isn't it oh you blink and you miss it and time flies and but it really really does and like all of us I get mum guilt for for working or for having some time to myself or going away for a night and and I really feel like that's important as well to make the most of those times and to just really make the most of the times even the really crappy horrible times where you you don't feel like you'll ever be able to open your eyeballs again. <laughs> I think mean, just make the most of it. Like it, it's amazing. And I think the fact that our bodies can do this incredible thing and we can find our way back to us, however long that takes, there's no rush, just forget the pressure. Then I think it's just amazing. And congratulations, by the way, yeah, to you as well. Well, well congratulations to Helen as well. But yes. do you know what I find is like going into it this time, I know that there will be really shit bits. And I think with Alf, the shit bits consumed me because I couldn't see a way out of them. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I love my life before and now I don't sleep. And, you know, but I feel like whatever happens with this next baby, and I know that it will be hard. Although I feel like I'm already a mum now, like I'm not battling with the identity. And for me, the identity yeah. thing was a big part of it and getting yeah. over my own, I mean, I keep saying internalized misogyny, but you know, my ideas of like, well, I, this is, I don't, I want to be seen as more than a mum, more than a mum, more than a mum. But it was because of how I judged what being a mum was. And now I've unpicked a lot of that. I feel much more comfortable. And Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I know that there will be hard, relentless bits, whether it's sleep deprivation or the moments of being touched out or like wishing that you could stop breastfeeding, but not being able to or like, but I also know that they pass and they get so good. And every year I find is like your favorite bit. Like every time Stanley gets a little bit older, I'm like, oh, I love this age. I love this age. And the more his little personality develops and the more this little human it's just like, I just am so proud of him. I just love him so much. And you think that you can't love them anymore than you, than you do. And then you just do. You find yourself staring at them. So, Aww. yeah, it's just gorgeous. I'm excited, Sarah. Thank you so much for talking to me. Um, and thanks to all of you guys for listening. Um, if you do want to get in touch, whether it's about anything we've talked about in this episode or maybe an idea for a future episode, then um, I'd love to hear from you. So you can obviously WhatsApp um, either a message or a voice message. It's free. You can do it anonymously if you want. Uh, the number is 75 27537 or you can email us like Helen did at pod at com. Um, or you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We see that as well, if you listen on Apple. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. I'm sure as parents, we all know how messy things can get, whether that's around the house, during mealtimes, and even when it comes to our little ones themselves. When it comes to wiping Alf's messy face and body, I want to be sure that what I am using is the best choice for his skin. With baby eczema and nappy rash being common conditions, using wipes for sensitive skin is a must. We've both been loving water wipes. We've actually used them since Alf was born and they gently clean and help protect delicate newborn and premature baby skin. They're made of just two ingredients, so 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. That means they are the best wipe choice for sensitive skin. Alf loves them and I even find myself using them.